Night Moves, Exploration of Contemporary Sexuality. Each week we bring you current research in sexuality, a guest interview, and we answer our listeners' questions from email. Night Moves is a weekly radio sex talk show. A sex talk show full of information, interviews, and inquiries. We answer your questions every week on air. I'm your host, Ann Hardy. As a registered nurse, I talk to male patients about erectile dysfunction. I'm Kay Crow, ASEX certified sex therapist in private practice and local sexpert to those who are curious. I'm Ray, your friendly man about town. I'm a guy who's been around the block a bunch of times, and I'm here to share opinions to help get you laid and keep you safe. This week, we're exploring sexuality in the ancient world, the Greeks, the Romans, and Egyptians, and any lessons for us today. Our guest is Dr. Thomas Jenkins, a professor of classical studies at Trinity University. He's going to share with us his thoughts on sexuality in the ancient Greek and Roman society. After that, we'll answer questions from listeners like you. Welcome to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. This week, we're exploring sexuality in the ancient world, the Greeks, Romans, and the Egyptian society. Looking back into antiquity, cultures rise and fall without us knowing much about their sexual practices. The ancient cultures of the Greeks, Roman, and Egyptians have extensive writings and records. And we're going to be exploring, are there lessons we can learn from the ancients? In ancient Greece, penetration was equivalent to social status. It did not matter what your gender was or the gender of the person that you had sex with. It all revolved around who was doing the penetration and who was receiving the penetration. If someone went down on a woman, it was considered penetration. The woman is penetrating the mouth of that person. So it's, it's rather different from how we look at oral sex today. To be the one penetrated, you were considered of a more lowly status, which was often true of women, boys, slaves, and foreigners. Yeah, back in ancient Greece, sword fighting was really popular, as was other male-to-male sexual encounters. Uh, Due to the focus of penetration, it was common for men to have an adolescent boy as their partner. The older man became a mentor to the younger man, and once the boy grew hair on his balls, the boy became a citizen and assumed his place in society with greatly improved status due to the status of their lover, and it's called pederasty, and that is where the word pedophile is derived from. They still use pederasty in the UK. Uh, they still use pederasty everywhere. Yeah. And in, in, in the UK, they, they spell it differently, though. They add an A. They do. Mm-hmm. True. In ancient Greece, masturbation was considered normal and a healthy alternative to sex for both men and women. It's depicted in the art and sculptures. Adult male love was also featured in the writings of the Iliad by Homer. The role of women in ancient Greece was to give birth to children, to replenish the number of soldiers and provide help on the farms. Females were not considered full citizens. 
Although Greece is considered the center of ancient philosophy, art, and literature, women were not allowed to participate in society. They were the property of their husband and the household. Although Sappho wrote poetry about love between women, female to female sex was discouraged. They sure had a lot of little rules. That's true. Before the Republic was established in Roman society, sex was considered for pleasure for men and a duty for women to continue the bloodlines. The average age for marriage was 30 for men and 14 for women. Women were expected to ignore their husbands' extramarital affairs with both men and women, and same sex was fine for men, but not for women. Again, all these like restrictions for women. Mm. Oh, lots of reasons to fight. That's true. In ancient Rome, after the establishment of the Republic, sex became an important part of Roman life. Men did what they pleased, elite women took lovers, and they tended to like the rougher the better and kind of had a fancy for the gladiators. They were kind of rough. However, the Emperor Augustus tried to legislate morals, but to no avail. Russell Crowe in The Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In the Roman Republic, brothels and orgies were a part of life. Rulers at that time were notoriously corrupt and sexually adventurous. Cross-dressing was popular and done in public. And this includes by Julius Caesar. And they also had bathhouses back then, which today mm -hmm. we call truck stops. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess whatever went on in the bath stayed in the bath. Well, it was in the bathhouses where a lot of the erotic art was placed. Because you were nude in the bathhouse, and it was considered if somebody looked upon you and you were particularly beautiful, they could corrupt you with their evil eye. So they had this erotic art in there to get people laughing to prevent them from giving someone the evil eye. I always thought it was to like get them in the mood. Nope. Or give them ideas. Not necessarily. Interesting. So now we're going to talk about ancient Egypt, how they compare. Sex was an important part of life in ancient Egypt, and it wasn't all tainted by guilt. Sex was connected to fertility and the belief that most attractive people were the fertile ones. Both sexes proved their worth by childbirth. They believed in an active sex life then and in the afterlife. And so much so that they would put artificial penises on the mummies. You gotta have something to use when you're dead. On the other hand, adultery was forbidden, especially for women. And women were punished by whipping are mutilation. Ew, I wonder what they mutilated. However, unmarried women were free to choose their own lovers and enjoy a full sex life. Daniel Kolos, Egyptologist at the University of Toronto, reports that premarital sex was kind of a training for marriage and used as a coming-of-age ritual. Pregnant girls were really prized for marriage because it proved they were fertile. And prostitutes were accepted and respected in Egyptian society. In Egypt, 
Incest was regularly practiced, mostly within royal families, to maintain the, quote, pure bloodlines. Usually, brothers and sisters that married were half-siblings. The Egyptians believed that royal blood ran through the females, not necessarily the males. Therefore, a pharaoh must marry a royal princess, his sister. The Egyptians also practiced birth control and abortion. And if we think about this, too, the ancient Egyptians predate the Christian religion, and a lot of the Christian texts have been said to mirror the writings of the Egyptians that predated them. So if they were borrowing texts to create their own religion from the Egyptians, you can see why the morality transferred, because a lot of those same attributes that the Egyptians practiced are still carried on today by the religious sects. Mm-hmm. Except now that the Muslim religion is the most one in the Middle East, they're highly restricted about many sexual practices. Also in Egyptian culture, expressing sexuality was officially taboo, and writings revolve around avoiding being penetrated as it would make one undesirable and submissive. Female same sex is rarely found in Egyptian texts at all. Maybe they knew how not to get caught. Maybe. <laughs> so they were kind of okay on male on male sex, but the Egyptians, no women on women. Maybe they just didn't understand the logistics of it. Uh, more of that male privilege. So for our closing thoughts, we would like to look back on the sexuality of the ancient Greeks, Romans, and Egyptians. Is there any takeaway? Any effects on our sexuality today? Well, I really don't think you can understand sexual practices unless you understand the culture in which they take place. So we are the legacy of the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, some of the taboos they have are still present today. Many of them are not. But our understanding of sexuality, it's funny how it really hasn't changed that much. You know, there's there's lots of diversity in these different cultures in terms of same-sex sexuality or, you know, who does what to whom and what it means in terms of your social class. I think a lot of that is still present today. If I had a time machine and went back to whether and chose between the ancient Egyptians, Romans, or Greeks, I think I would pick the Egyptians. They seem like they're not so down on women and premarital sex is okay. And I really like their pyramids and art. I'd like to go back in time to some place, though, where I could be laying on my back with a harem and have those giant grape leaves waved at me and... Or those giant fig leaves. What are those? those? Palm Palm leaves. Palm Palm fronds, yeah. That would be nice. And your feet washed. and uh, They have harems for women back then, I wonder. (laughs) It would be nice, but I kind of doubt it. I've never read at any place where women dominated sexually. Oh, no, that's a mistake. What about, what's her name? The one with the horse. Oh, Catherine Catherine the the Great. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, she did, but I don't think her society was very open. I was going to say, you can't say you don't open. know, because <laughs> if I know... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Catherine the Great, that's the one. 
If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. And we're talking about sex, all kinds of sex, some serious, some lighthearted. After that, we'll answer questions from listeners like you. Please send us your questions and comments to nightmovesksym at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at nightmovesksymradio. Stay tuned. Coming up next is our guest, Dr. Thomas Jenkins, a professor of classical studies at Trinity University. He's a scholar on the ancient Roman and Greek civilizations. And then we'll answer questions from email. Love jumping into cool, clear water or floating on the waves? Be a mermaid or merman against plastics. Our precious oceans are in danger from the bottles we leave behind, and we're swimming in a sea of plastic. When you visit the beach, take reusable water bottles and say no to single-use plastics. Maybe even pick up litter while strolling along the shore. For more ways to help, contact Greenpeace.org or the World Wildlife Fund at WWF.org. Welcome to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. Our guest is Dr. Thomas Jenkins, a professor of classical studies at Trinity University. And I would also note that he got his BS from Yale University and PhD from Harvard. Dr. Jenkins' area of interest is how the ancient world is reflected in contemporary media, such as one of his published articles is Heavy Metal Homer, How Counterculture Appropriates Imagery from the Odyssey. Thanks so much for being on Night Moves, Dr. Jenkins. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about sexuality in the ancient world and focus on the Greeks and Romans. Could you briefly tell me kind of like the role of men and women in those societies? In both societies, the roles would be more rigid uh, than what we would consider the norm in modern Western societies. Particularly in Greece, uh, women's roles and men's roles in public and private lives would be more segregated. Women would actually uh, live in their own quarters, uh, the Gunekeon. On the Roman side, there was more freedom for women, some additional property rights, but still things would be retrograde in terms of what we consider to be kind of individual rights um, in, in a modern society. The men and women in both of those had kind of traditional roles as far as male and female. Traditional roles for married citizens. We have to remember that both of these societies were slave societies, slave-owning societies, obviously slaves of, of both genders, whose rights would be close to non-existent and who were treated very differently, both on account of sex, but also on account of citizen status. What was love and marriage like in those societies? Love and marriage, not necessarily <laughs> synonymous. In fact, probably not. Uh, if, it, if it was synonymous, that was a happy accident. Our best guess for the age of marriageable age for women, or what we would consider girls in Athens, is around 14. Probably a bit later on the Roman side, but it would not be uncommon to have wives of, of 18, 19. And those marriages, if they were between citizens, could often be uh, arranged or would be from families of the same social status. In which case, 
the husband uh, might also be seeking sexual fulfillment elsewhere. So we have poems on both sides, love poetry, in which it's clear that the, the man is seeking sexual satisfaction outside of the marriage, sometimes with slaves. Did the woman have that same right? No, they okay. did not. That would be um, most frowned upon. Our evidence for women's uh, extramarital affairs uh, is usually hostile. It's usually forensic oratory, say, on, the, on both the Greek and the Roman side. You know, we have law cases uh, in which uh, women are accused of adultery, and it's these are not pretty cases to read. Um, the evidence is, is stacked against them, and the, the vitriol is great. The man could do what he want, but the women were really constrained. <laughs> yeah, the men the men had greater sexual freedom outside of marriage as long as it wasn't with another citizen woman. And how about the treatment of LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender? Our sexual matrix, the way we have divided sexuality up in, say, America or in a, a modern Western society, is not perfectly replicated in the ancient world. Or the other way around, we have not adopted the same cultural matrix as the ancient societies uh, did. To the best of our reconstruction, sexual identity in the ancient world was based not upon the sex of the object of the beloved, but rather about the activity that you might be engaged in, active versus passive. Once the pitcher, once the catcher. Exactly. It's okay to be the pitcher, but boy, the catcher's only for slaves or women or... Men doing things with their penis were sort of, by definition, doing anything actively with it, and that would be fine. And that seems to be the general organizing principle behind sexual desire uh, on both sides. In those cultures, were there any like very unusual sexual practices? There's nothing new under the sun, right? <laughs> so I mean, that, that's actually a Latin phrase, right? So any sexual any sexual practice that is being done now, it was being done then, but it might have a different cultural significance mm. or a different cultural taboo. Uh, Romans famously were squeamish about oral sex. Particularly Roman men, if you really want to get under a Roman guy's skin, you you cast aspersions about his predilection for cunnilingus, for oral sex on a woman. That was considered unbelievably shameful. That was making your mouth impure, is connected with all sorts of pollution. Really bad news. And so that has a different cultural significance than what we might attach to it. I read one thing about Roman women had a certain amount of independence and they like to really slum with the gladiators. There are three categories of people in Rome who are called infames, um, who couldn't be citizens. And those three categories, fascinatingly, are gladiators, actors, and prostitutes. Scholars have been scratching their heads. What links those three people together, those three categories together? And one answer is that they're all, they're all constructed passively. They're passive objects of penetration. But sometimes that penetration is literal, as in prostitutes. Sometimes it's metaphorical, the penetration of the gaze, uh, of watching, of spectacle, which are both actors and gladiators. The gladiators, you could be stabbed, you could be penetrated with a sword, but you're also being penetrated by the eyeballs, by everyone is watching you in, say, the Colosseum. 
so for a woman to fall in love with a gladiator is transgressive because these these are um, the bad boys of erotic desire. They're not citizens. They're not husband material. Often they were condemned criminals before they became gladiators. But women seem to be crazy for them. And we have lots of graffiti <laughs> extolling the virtues of so-and-so gladiator. Looking at sexuality in the ancient world, any lessons for today? I teach ancient sexuality or some aspects of ancient sexuality in my class. My classes. My students are always surprised by how the same activities that we do in contemporary society are differently valued or differently reflected in terms of um, moral significance in, in the ancient world. And it's a check on our idea that sexuality is equally constructed across all societies. In fact, even though we keep saying all the time, right, we uh, flow from the Greeks and Romans, the Greeks, you know, they're the foundation of Western culture, blah, 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 blah. If you look back at the Greeks and Romans, the way they have constructed their own sexual matrix, their own sexual desires, is completely unlike ours. I guess the most important thing is to realize how fluid sexuality is, how it's a social, not physical construct. It's not a natural construct which doesn't make it any less potent and it doesn't make it any less powerful, but it does mean that it's social and that it can be changed with cultural mores. Thank you for the excellent interview, Dr. Jenkins. You are very welcome. What are your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts are this, that I work on how the ancient world is called out or alluded to in contemporary media, like films, um, like, like the Superman film in which Superman is reading Plato's Republic during recess and that sort of thing. I would ask your listeners to keep your eyes open for how we appeal to the classical world as a system of authority, as a system of validation, and then call into question just how valid that reference is, that authority is that flows from the ancient world uh, until to the present time. For more information, you can contact me, Thomas E. Jenkins, which is tjenkins at trinity.edu. My book is called Antiquity Now, The Classical World in the Contemporary American Imagination. And it looks at films, novels, poetry, all about the classical world. Thank you so much for being on Night Moves, Dr. Jenkins. Your interview was so informative and really fun. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know you have a question you've always wanted to ask. Jot us a little email. We'll answer your question on the air. Email us at nightmovesksym at gmail.com. Please include your age and gender. Names will not be disclosed. Night Moves, answering the questions you don't want to ask. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Night Moves KSYM Radio. Be careful, she's embarrassed. Yeah, me too. Be gentle. <laughs> questions and comments. Question is from a female in her 20s. When having sex with a new guy, my vagina started making weird noises. We had tried some unusual positions. Is that the cause? It was embarrassing. How do I prevent it in the future? So what? I'm wondering what kind of noises it, it made. And what kind of positions too, right? <laughs> well, you know, one thing that occurs to me, yeah... Is like where did you have did you have a lot of lubrication and was that making the sound? 
you could have potentially a um, a tipped uterus, which can make more air get trapped up inside the vagina. As can doggy style. Right? Doggy style can do that. So there's lots of different reasons why it might be making sounds that are uncomfortable. But let me assure you that it's perfectly normal for your vagina make to make sounds. Maybe they're yummy sounds. Maybe she's enjoying herself. Well, maybe she's Maybe she's that curious and maybe... It's a it's a different size penis that she's inserting, so maybe. Right. But I can say that if the sounds are going to preoccupy you in your sex, maybe you should try something smaller that makes less noise. Yeah, my guess it was somehow through one of the positions there was air in the vagina, and when it comes out, it makes kind of a fart noise. And yeah, I've heard of girls being embarrassed by that, but as Kay said, it's completely normal. It's pretty funny when it happens, and, and right. in my opinion, it, and it just means that somebody's doing their job somewhere. Right, <laughs> and and in my experience, you know, if you if you you feel a sense of pressure up inside of you when there's air trapped up there, and remember, the vagina is a potential space; it collapses on itself, so air gets trapped up in there. And all you need to do is kind of bear down. You can sit on the toilet if you need to do this. Bear down, and I like to like push on your uterus right above your pubic bone, and the air will come out. So, so if you're embarrassed, go to the bathroom and remove the air. Just realize that no guy is gonna deny you. Know, no guy is going to regret sleeping with you because that happened because some unintentional vibrations caught him around his shaft. That didn't. Uh, <laughs> That didn't happen to anybody ever. And I don't think he would turn down sex with you because of it. That's what I just said. <laughs> True. <laughs> Basically. The question is from a female in her 30s. I was in bed with a guy I'm dating. He got a text on the phone and looked at it while he was in bed with me. I looked over his shoulder and saw, hey, baby. It made me so mad, I kicked him out and broke off all contact. He's begging to see me again. Does he deserve another chance? Well, this is relationship advice, not really sex advice, but let me tell you, that's your own fault. You kicked him out before you found out the context. If you didn't bother to find out the context before you threw him out, that's your problem. I would say if he's texting while he's in bed with you, that's a real negative. Well, I mean, well, I guess it depends upon what you want. I mean, are you wanting a casual relationship? Are you wanting just casual sex? Or do you expect him to be exclusive while he's in bed with you? You have to lay down the rules. If if that's a no-no to you, then he just needs to know that. If you enjoyed seeing him, then yeah, give him another chance. If you're wanting monogamy, maybe this isn't the guy for you. Oh, just put yourself in his shoes and see what you would want. Yeah, I just think it's really bad etiquette to be texting with another girl when you're in bed. Well, how do you know it's another girl? Maybe it's his mother. Maybe it was spam. Hey, baby, your mother. Yeah, some people refer to each other like that. I don't know. I have spam come through like that. Maybe he, maybe he frequents porn sites, and they were trying to send him something. Yeah, anything's possible. So should she, should she give him another chance? Well, at least check out, check out the situation and see what's going on. And that gives her an opportunity to lay down the rules. Hey, no texting in bed, okay? I don't care what you do in the rest of your life, but when you're in bed with me, no texting. I want your full attention. Great. I think that's 
wonderful advice. I don't care what you do. <laughs> I think it's freaking rude. <laughs> Working on mysteries without any clues. Working on a night moves. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night moon Catch up on past episodes on mixcloud.com slash nightmovesksym. Good night, and I hope you find yourself in bed with a book you love or someone who's already read one. Hey, y'all, have a great night. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you're going to do it, do it safe. Do it well or don't bother. Good night. Have a fabulous week and tune in next week to Night Moves. An exploration of contemporary sexuality. Good night, all. Night Moves, exploration of contemporary sexuality. So a lot of the sexual cues for women are more emotional, whereas for men, they're definitely more visual. Parents don't talk to their children about sex. They get little in school. We let the porn industry educate our young men about sex. Accepting the fact that STDs are just part of the risk of being sexually active these days. Welcome to sex in the 21st century. So it is truly time for the next sexual revolution. And to me, that is where we bring sexuality out of the closet into the warm light of day. So it just becomes another quality of life issue like eating right, getting exercise, and being sexually healthy. Because he couldn't find, here we go, the specific girl that really did it for him. Night Moves, exploration of contemporary sexuality. Wednesdays at 11 p.m. on KSYM 90.1 FM.